Welcome to Tech Bytes with TechNext. Here, we bring to you a brief roundup of everything exciting about the tech space across Africa and indeed the entire globe. From startup announcements to new inventions and the latest buzz boosts on the social space, we will be sharing industry important highlights and exploring the news within the news. We will also be bringing industry experts to share opinions about major news for the week. And most importantly, watch out for our exciting future for this week. We are sure it will be an exciting session you won't want to miss. Let us begin. Hello. Good morning, Lagos, Nigeria, Africa, the world, yeah? yeah the world. <laughs> Welcome to Tech Bytes again, the podcast show where we dive into the latest tech news and analysis and, you know, we bring innovative minds to talk about topics that affect you and I on this show, all right, from artificial intelligence to cybersecurity to blockchain to internet of things, we cover everything here. Alright, this is episode 28, just in case you don't know. So you have 27 episodes you have to listen to before you listen to this one. Just kidding, you can listen to this one first. <laughs> I'm your host for today, Dam Larry, and I'm not doing this alone. I have with me here in the studio, Tommy Wo. Tommy Wo is editor here at Technest. Hi, Tommy Wo. Hi, Dam Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, how's it been with you? Tech, cash problem elections oh it's not been easy but at least one of them will be over soon at least <laughs> tomorrow the elections will be over right and, and i think from next week the cash crunch should become easier to deal with as well so let's see how it goes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah true so yeah as always we are going to be your guide through the ever-evolving world of tech you know don't worry you're not paying us but we're fine we're fine yes <laughs> also today we'll be talking about a very very important conversation that has been happening for several months now all right we're going to be dissecting it for everyone and it's about the cash scarcity the naira scarcity in nigeria the new ruling by the cbn supreme court and all of this and what it means for you and i all right, so stay tuned with us till we have that interview. We have two amazing personalities here who would be breaking down this topic for you, right? For free. Yeah, yeah, for free. <laughs> All right, but first, we'll give you an interesting tour around the world of tech. So sit back, like, comment, share, get your headphones, join us, and let's take you on the tour. So first of all, we'll start with Stripe. Yeah, so Stripe raised $6.5 billion. When I saw this number, I had to look at it twice. Like, the, the poor engineer in me thought, I mean, it was probably like $6.5 million. Mm-hmm. We've seen that one, $30 yeah, million, dollars, $100 million. What's this one? $5 billion, bro. It's Stripe, it's Stripe now. When you're big, you're big. <laughs> All right, so digital payments company Stripe, just in case you don't know, it's also the parent company for Paystack, our Paystack. Yeah, it bought Paystack for $200 million like two, three years ago. Two years ago? Yeah. So it raised $6.5 million billion this week in a Series 1 funding round to value the company at $50 billion. Although it sounds like a very huge figure, but this was half what it was valued like two years ago. 
Mm. Yeah, it was valued at $95 billion about two years ago, and now it's raising $6.5 billion to be valued at $50 billion. All right. But unlike other raises, Tribe noted that it doesn't need this capital to run the business. Like, it's not like it needs the money to expand or something. No, it's fine with current runnings, but it needs this to provide equity and liquidity to current and former employees you know address employee withholding tax obligations re- relating to equity rewards as well as retirement of stripe shares that we offset the issuance of new shares to the new investors so basically they're about to pay off everybody holding stripes shares their employees and old employees yeah. to give it to the new guys yeah, that's actually very good because um, i think one of the executives said something like the people that actually built stripe to where stripe is now is actually time to actually reward them so that they can mm. benefit from the greatness that they've built for <laughs> other people <laughs> yeah that, that, that makes sense that makes sense so the latest raise is from i mean lots of venture capital giants i mean it's 6.5 billion what are you expecting andres Sinorowitz, peter ts founders fund bailey gifford msd partners Strive capital general catalyst as well as in other new investors like gic goldman sachs wealth management and temasek all right uh like I said before, Stripe is the parent company of Paystack. So, is it that Paystack people might get some some trickle, you know? Uh, I, I don't know how exactly they're going to qualify the present and past employees, but most likely, something something will touch somebody's pocket. Paystack runs our money. <laughs> 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 Alright, moving on. We have another not-so-good news, right? Well... Yeah, the tech ecosystem is kind of filled with that. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. continuous for like several months now. Layoffs, shutdowns, crypto crash, everything, everything. But this week it's about the payment, another payment startup, but this time it's an African payment company, Cheaper Cash. Just in case you don't know, Cheaper Cash is a unicorn, so it's valued at over $1 billion, right? Yeah. So, Cheaper Cash this week, so, uh, there's this Silicon Valley bank that many Silicon Valley companies or many African <laughs> companies and many companies around the world, tech companies and otherwise, have their money in, have investments from and all of that. And the Darling Bank shut down this last weekend. Last weekend. Yeah. Shut down and was a domino since then startups have been worrying mm-hmm. indian startups have been scared <laughs> startups have been scared everybody that had money everybody looking for investment from silicon valley bank now they've been just been, ah, what's, what's going, going on what's going on yeah and it's and it's quite interesting and like tommy was said lots of african startups have been scared but one particular name that has been announced or that has come out to own it is mm. cheaper cash so cheaper cash is a payments cross-border payment pan-african payments service or startup all right and the startup says it has about one million dollars only only about one million only, dollars. okay only about one million dollars <laughs> <laughs> in svb as at the time of crash yeah, yeah it had about one million dollars and also beyond the the money in bank svb's uh capital which is like the investment arm of svb svb also has an investment in in cheaper cash so this means SVB owns like two percent of the entire cheaper cash. Th- that was why when the FB, F- SVB closure happened, a lot of people went to talk about cheaper cash uh-huh. immediately because they know that when they raised that money some years ago, 
the new yeah. like, SBP, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they were they were a lead a lead company in the real yeah, actually. The real. Okay. And this is quite interesting, right? If we can use that for this startup, because just last year it had the whole FTX issue too. Late last year, it was yeah. like six months ago or something. When it had the FTX was... issue, and just three months into the new year, it's having an SVB issue again, and. Reports also came out this week that I was considering a sale or an acquisition. They're uh, considering different options. We have more investors, but I mean, if they get an, a good enough offer for a sale, they would they would consider. They would consider that. It. Uh, Cash is one major tech startup in the ecosystem, and you know, we wish them all the best because it means good for the ecosystem if they survive. If they survive, yeah. But because of the new FDIC rule that the United States are trying to say that people with money in SBB will still get. Money back some of their money back if not yeah. all of their money back so i think they're still light at the end of the tunnel yeah i mean as at monday they said fdic promised then that they were going to get 50 percent about 50 like five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> of the money in the bank back then there'll be processes for the other ones eventually all right but i mean beyond cheaper cash right mm-hmm. the svb crash has also had ripple effects on the african ecosystem lots of african startups are scared I mean, the Y Combinator's president, Gary Tan, said on Twitter that 30% of YC companies exposed through SVB can make payroll in the next 30 days. And Y Combinator has over 80 African startups in its portfolio. So it's a it's a Russian roulette of who, who he's talking to now. Wow. And who would, who would fall first? I hope, I hope that everyone can survive, but I foresee some layoffs coming in the future. Yeah. Even if if companies cannot afford to pay salaries I mean, just let stuff go it is well it is well hopefully is well. this entire phase is over quick soon <laughs> and people can get back to innovating and all of that with peace of mind and rest of mind knowing peace that investors not run away or <laughs> crash or get shut down again or something. yeah 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 all right on to another news it's might be sad news but it's just there so meta is removing nft features from facebook instagram amid your crypto misery all right so i mean ai is the new kid nfts and metaverse are looking like oldies now and people are like you know what it's it's not it's not it's not it's not focus again you know uh, funny thing is a lot of crypto skeptics don't even get to enjoy or see the <laughs> goal of the <laughs> nfts and everything before the old meta metaverse is just shifting away from that yeah and jumping they are moving into the away and now. the same way it's pulling out nfts it is adding chatbots we talked about that like last week or last two weeks it's adding chatbots to this platform so feels like a shift and it's in its focus so meta is removing non-fungible tokens nfts from its platform and this is less than a year after i introduced them i mean and this decision comes from the fact that the crypto markets in recent times has been woeful uh, it's crashed today slump tomorrow rise today <laughs> down tomorrow <laughs> so yeah it is trying to you know to ensure that it focuses on other areas to support creators people and business beyond this very shaky shaky thing yeah but i mean so because like you said is they are removing these features less than a year or about a year after they mm-hmm. announced it so what if come next year ai is no more the odd thing what if another company comes up with something even altered but meta now start looking to focus all their oh, investment well, on that in this age and time feels like 
you have to move where the world is moving. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to leave you alone. That was what yeah. happened with, with uh, what's it called? Um, what's that popular chat house like everyone goes to? Clubhouse. Clubhouse, right? Twitter's, that was the hot thing. Twitter spaces changed Clubhouse. That was the hot thing. Then everybody was running to Clubhouse. Android users felt like we were left out. They were anchoring. Clubhouse, please come. And eventually, by the time it came, it felt like it wasn't needed again. Move on Twitter space. The use is not as much as it used to be anymore. Move on to other things already. We don't move on already. Ever evolving tech landscape. Yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to be on your feet. So. And Meta is also the latest company to take the exits, you know, from NFTs and all of that after crypto's underwhelming run um, in recent times. But some people have come out to bash Meta that they shouldn't be doing this, that it's a short-sighted move. A popular uh, NFT artist, Dave Krugman, said it's a short-sighted move and that Meta quits before it's even started. I, I agree with him because I know that there are a lot of crypto skeptics out there and if a company that is as big as Meta, as influential as Meta is shying away, away from it, then I would think twice about buying NFTs or thinking about NFTs and be like, maybe, maybe just Mark Zuckerberg probably knows more than I do. So <laughs> if he's willing to reduce his investments in it, why should I? Why should oh, well, I like you said, tech is ever changing. So in the next few months or years <laughs> nft can come back to the to the fore and we're back into the the game mm. all right next thing um so this is leading into the, like a topic or conversation for today but yeah. uh in february the failed cashless transaction uh in nigeria shrinked e-payments by 4.8 percent mm. yeah yeah so the value of e-payment transactions in Nigeria fell to 337.65 trillion in February, right? According to data from the Nigerian Interbank Sentiment System, this shows a 4.83% from the 39.58 trillion that was recorded in January. And what was the reason for this? That has been widely alluded. It is failed transactions. So the cash chunk or crunch. Right, scarcity, scarcity, <laughs> naira scarcity, <laughs> made people move away from cash to transfers and you know electronic payment systems. Mm. And in moving away to that place, we found out that the infrastructure, or whatever, was not cannot carry everybody. <laughs> cannot carry everybody because these days, if you go on social media on Twitter, somebody somewhere is abusing it. one bank. It's not even having issues now. They, they, they just call banks out. I don't want to name any bank right now, just for I have my I have my fear for, for security reasons. But one one of you is holding my <laughs> my ten thousand. I know you. I'm, I'm I'm not call you out, but I know you. But every day, I mean, in all fairness, I think the January figures was the all time high in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Was that, because was, everybody was just getting into it. At I mean, that's why everybody was getting into it. The data and all of that was not was not all good, right? And transactions were failing, and that caused a, a reduction in February. All right, but away from that, uh, some more numbers. So the more usage of mobile transfers grew, right, by sixty nine point eight seven percent from one hundred and eight. 0.14 million times in January to 183.69 million times in February. Wow. And this is, I'm not actually surprised because as a January, lots of traders that were not collecting transfers. By the time I went back in February, that's right. Once <laughs> that's yeah, they right. collect transfer now. <laughs> so people were actively 
moving away because yeah. I mean either you move or you don't sell or you don't sell and if you are, if you sell perishable goods you just start realizing that yeah, nobody's buying my thing even when you go to the market to buy back you have to use transfer to actually buy fresh so sets, why are you wasting so your time why are you wasting your time yeah transaction value also grew by 7.88 percent to 2.56 trillion in february from the january figure of 2.37 trillion uh, the value of transactions also increased. That was what fell to 36.79 trillion from mm-hmm. 38.772 trillion. POS transactions. I mean, POS have been one of the biggest winners of this entire thing. The merchants, they are the new blood money guys. I, th- I think when it comes to cashless policy, everything, the POS guys, they always be the winners. But I don't think it's only the POS guys that you know do POS to give you cash, like even receiving money, money bills transfers tra- and everything all of that. everything yeah just, it seems like one of the easiest ways to just make payments these and it's days. everywhere and it's everywhere mm-hmm. literally everywhere <laughs> so it grew to 883 billion right in, in in february compared to the 807 billion recorded in january these are lots of numbers right and mm. you know we don't know how the new regulation would affect these numbers going forward and that's what you're yet to decipher yeah, maybe people are now used to these mobile transactions, this using POS, and, and they're like, you know what, for. you can yeah. even keep your cash. But I don't think so because the cash crunch has been very, very difficult yeah. to deal with. So I think people would have withdrawal syn- syndromes. <laughs> <laughs> and people just go back heavily into cash and all of that. Okay. But oh well, uh, thank you guys for listening in for uh, the Around the World in 10. All right, we hope you learned one or two major tech news from this week. Yeah. So moving on into the conversation for today, right? The topic is the cash crunch as it affects the citizenry that's Nigerians. As you and I. You and I. Yeah, mm. you and I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, if you have been to Nigeria, if you are in Nigeria f- over the last four, three months, this is definitely no news to you that the cash crunch, you know, has had a significant impact on the daily lives of Nigerians. Either people are complaining or they are or they are complaining or they are arguing or they are angry <laughs> i mean with this street tech and we went out into the street to ask people and if you watch that video lots of people that answered were angry right they were complaining and all that you know with scarcity of cash businesses struggle to operate people providing goods and services could not get it easily consumers also could not access this and what happened there were rising prices from both the withdrawal place to even the payments place and even people selling regular stuff with yeah, to add extra add 100 naira, 100 naira, add 50 naira, 50 naira because you are transferring it so it means you have to think twice before you go out to buy something reducing going out to buy something majorly <laughs> but going out again is a problem because transportation is very difficult, very difficult if you don't have your own car yeah and all of these you know lots of experts have said oh it could increase the already the already high poverty levels in the country particularly amongst the vulnerable population people in rural areas where access to electronic systems or banking might be very very difficult and all of that uh we've seen the results already slightly long queues in atms some atms even have money mobs and banks destruction of banks and all of that like it's been crazy over the last several 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 months by the time the numbers come in we'll have seen you know 
ripple effect on the economy, money loss, like and all of that. I think even inflation has gone inflation up. Inflation also went, went up, up by like one percent or by one percent. I think it's now twenty one point two. I'm not sure of the exact numbers. Yeah, so to discuss all of this today, we have with us two very important personalities, all right, who will be helping us break it down today. We have Jeffrey Williams, Adam. He is an accomplished business and sales leader with over 11 years experience in the fintech industry. You know, he has taken on high impact sales growth and global strategic partnerships. He's recognized for deploying innovative and novel business and operational models in combined sectors in multiple sectors he has combined experience as a sales account manager business developer business analyst operation expert and you know he's able to design customer success criteria by managing a cross-functional team to achieve high impact outcomes in multiple markets in fintech and the financial services markets i mean oh wow if you listen to all this and you know that it's a very very important personality we have we are, we are don't so, stop the video now we are so honored we are so honored to have you <laughs> hi jeffrey hi guys thank you <laughs> thank you for that can you hear me yeah good morning yeah we, good morning thank you for joining us today how are you doing sure. i'm well thank you all right all right Okay, so next also we have David Etido with us. David mm. is an associate and member of Udo and Udoma, Udo Udoma and Bello Osage's private equity mergers and acquisition, competition and corporate advisory teams. Since joining the firm, he has been involved in a wide range of matters, including corporate restructuring, structuring of mergers and acquisition, competition advisory, and setting up of joint ventures. He has also taken part in several due diligence investigations, including uh, involving major companies. Thank you for joining us today, David. Hi, David. Thank you so much, Daniel. Oh, Very yes. Happy to be here. Yeah, how are you doing today? very good very good all right all right thank you very much uh gentlemen for joining thank us you. so we'll go into the conversation for today all right um so as you know right it's been months now since cbn announced the change of naira notes hmm. to cash swap and all of that and this has affected cash and av- availability in the country because the new design notes are not in circulation right and eventually does have to rescind on its decision to ensure that the old naira notes are back in circulation until december 31st. 31st and all of that all right in light of this um just i mean describe to us as what has this cash crunch done to the lives of of, of citizens how have you experienced this and what what are your views about it um jeffrey do you want to go first um, first, I'd like to explain what a cash crunch means. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you find that um, if a, a country or an economy lacks the physical cash uh, to do what it needs to do, and so everybody's scrambling for whatever available cash is available to trade or pay bills or take care of themselves, that is a cash crunch. Now, if you look at a typical example is why you have dollar having fluctuations is because a lot of people are trying to trade with it and it's not available so automatically it becomes more expensive or it affects the trade that needs to happen 
and that's what a cash crunch is um, to to a country. Now, if we look at some of the impact that this has um, um, affected, um, you will find health. For me, is the first thing. You go to the hospital. There are cases of people dying. There was a pregnant woman on the news where the husband could not get cash to pay for her to be on there, and then uh, the lady couldn't make it. This is a very, very direct impact of what this is causing to to people today. You also have feeding, feeding, transportation. Um, if I can't go to work, I can make money. If I can't go and do business, I can generate income. If I don't generate income, I can feed my family. And even when I do generate income, I can't spend that money because I don't have access to that money to spend. So people are being impacted. Uh, from more economic point of view, uh, supply chain as well. Uh, you want raw materials to be delivered. The person will say, oh, I don't mind bringing gum for you as a shoemaker, but you've got to pay me for me to produce that glue for you or gum. You can't pay that person. The person doesn't want to take a transfer. So now you've always done business by paying cash such transactions are micro transaction below 3000 naira, and so you are stuck you can't get glue you can't go out to men's shoes you can't generate money the little money you've generated you can't spend it so it, it's really impacting on people's life today for me personally i've always lived my life 90 percent digital transaction 10 percent cash uh, because of being in the fintech so i found ways around ensuring that the people that i do business with uh, either banked or have the means to take um, the digital mode of payment but still i still go to the organizer who would say to me oga your money now 200 naira <laughs> i cannot be picking up my phone i want to do a transfer he will not want that or i have the guy uh, the parking lot that says ah, oga your money now 500 for today or 100 naira and i can't park because i don't have 100 naira so imagine how that impacts on business meetings productivity I can't go on, but you get the gist. <laughs> yeah, that's been a lot. That's been a lot. Thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, David, do you want to, to pitch in? How has this cash crunch affected the citizens, Nigerians, as you see around you? I thought you asked me how has it affected me first. So that's... <laughs> 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 but... I mean, it's, it's been very crazy um, for, for everyone. At first, uh, maybe some of us was, uh, were a lot more, um, ha took a let's wait and see um, view. So let's see what's going on. Let's see why this is happening. Um, and try to understand what the CBN is trying to do. But subsequently, there were clear orders of court that we expected would have been obeyed. Um, on time and it just kept spiraling down that at this point um it's up to almost going to three months um or four months from when cbn initially thought about this whole currency redesign cashless policy withdrawal limits and it seems like all the problems are still besetting us so i mean this the improvements is really minimal in the entire policy so that's that's really where the concern is so right now it's it's really bad um and i just spoke to a colleague yesterday it seems this is getting worse because mm. i can remember about two weeks ago i was able to set sight my eyes on 500 notes new notes i've not seen 500 new notes 
I can't remember. Maybe in the last two weeks, I have not wow. seen. Uh, I think I got a thousand naira yesterday, finally from new notes from um, um, the filing station. So it's rather seems like it's getting worse, and it's really biting everyone. I don't want to repeat most of the things um, he has said already, but it's really biting everyone and everyone this time around maybe this that's one good thing that has come out from this cash crunch is affecting <laughs> everyone from the high to the low i mean different classes of people even bank 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 executives are also feeling the cash crunch so it's 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 really it's really a tough one for nigeria and i could imagine people coming to nigeria during this time you know you just gave a rundown of things happening all over the tech space you're familiar with um like the tech stars event that is happening you know people are coming in for those events and trying to get narrow you can imagine being told that you can't have access to more than two thousand naira or something i mean it's crazy yeah yeah it Mm -hmm. is I imagine someone who came in for like an, a tech event trying to convert his dollars to naira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. yeah. Yeah, but Jeffrey, as you see, when this cash scarcity started, it feels like a lot of other business owners just took advantage, like to find a way to take advantage of other Nigerians. So the POS operators that use their POS machines to receive payment and then give people cash, they increase their charges. Mm-hmm. And then some businesses will tell you that if you are transferring any extra money, you have to add, add the charges. It, yeah. So do you think that this, our attitude kind of made the entire thing worse? Well, yes, it did make everything worse. And because there is no regulatory around curbing that, uh, it's free fall for everyone, which is unfortunate really. Uh, because we're not supposed to be taking advantage of this kind of situations, but trying to make things easier for people. It's a culture that we need to look at. However, we also need to look at why they are putting that extra cost. Is it because the cost of business has gone up? Is it because of the cost of Naira has gone up? Is it because of the cost of time? Um, I know people who have to close their businesses for hours just to go and queue up at the ATM. I know people who have had to queue up for hours at the banking halls just to get cash. So this would have to be factored back into the business. And so the person that will then take that heat would be the end consumer. Uh, If that end consumer also has a business, he will transfer the cost and it goes on and on and on. So sometimes we see these things, but we understand why it has to be done. But in most cases, it could be avoided. So instead of trying to blame these people for it, maybe this was not implemented properly and could have been approached a bit differently. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, we know this cash crunch, yeah, you know, that has affected the availability of, you know, new Naira notes. Even the old Naira notes for <laughs> a very long time was unavailable until maybe like a week ago when the laws and Supreme everything Court came said out that yeah could use it. and people move online moved online to perform transactions and all of that but we are looking at other causes of distrust hmm. mm-hmm. you're looking at other causes of of distrust of the financial services and i think it has been amplified again in recent times with the old failed transactions with the entire fake alerts fake alerts and all of that people have not always trusted the digital financial space now this entire cash thing has increased it again 
and the fact that people like to see fiscal money do you also see this playing like a part in in um in the entire issues that the country has faced in recent times Jeffrey, that's that's a very good point that uh, that you've made. Now we have there are two different um, problems, but at the same time they are dependent on each other. Um, Nigerian businesses, majority of them um, do cash transactions. Uh, we all know that, especially the MSME. So whether your digital platform is working or not, that is what the trade preference is uh, within that space. And until that continues to change, which has been changing. I mean, last year alone, we had a 150% increase in the adoption of digital payments. So, I mean, the market is gradually ad adopting and, and changing um, its perspective to that, but it's still cash dominant regardless. Now, the problem is that there is a reason to go digital. And unfortunately, the, eco the ecosystem for digital payments was not ready for that heat. It wasn't planned for. So the surge of people new people going to try out something that they are not used to means that you're going to have a lot of error rates the increase in the error rate means that you're going to have a lot of support people providing support to these errors that have come through now people were not employed for those some of the systems are not fully automated some of them are some are automated but integrated to non-automated systems so everything is just going to be a mess because I don't have enough staff to take care of these errors coming in. I don't have the automation to take care of these errors coming in. But more people are trying to use the system, which would have been an amazing opportunity to get more people to find confidence in that uh, particular uh, ecosystem. But it just kind of collapsed when they needed it the most because of all the errors, people trying different things, people not even knowing how to use the platform. Now, if you go online and you're trying to even use the system, we still have not done enough on educating new users on how to use these things. We haven't. And so you find that this is what uh, Rufus has told me or what Jane has told somebody else or somebody trying to demo it for you for the first time. And of course, you make errors in your transaction before you get it right. But getting that money back from the error you've done, that's where most people are stuck. And that is what is increasing the distrust of the platform today. Mm. Hmm. Just just to follow up on one point you touched about, educating the, the, the citizenry, like Nigerians, the people who are not financially literate or included mm -hmm. so far uh so before when this law came out when your cash change change thing started you know lots of experts came out that this was going to be a, a good playing field for agents banking you know the telcos who have been giving psb licenses and all of that so, you know play and expand their tentacles and all of that do you still see and maybe there are no numbers but i'm not quite sure if that has really been seen so far what would you say has been the stumbling issue to that would this still be the infrastructure would this still be the people ish or it's just a system error if i can say that very good word you've used i would write on that is a system error so you're trying to create a policy you're trying to create a policy that is supposed to affect trade in every aspect of the economy um, there are three people that play a vital role in trade in our economy today. This is the bank, the agency network, and the fintech, right? Um, the banks, you can see how overwhelmed they've been. The um, agency network, no access to cash. So the real 
benefit of that is you don't have to go to the bank come i'll do the transactions for you and what are those transactions i can give you cash or i can transfer the money or i can pay bills for you now when you transfer the money to somebody who cannot get the cash in the first place system error when you come there and you want to get cash withdraw cash and there's no cash available system error now you fall back on the third layer which is the fintech you go onto the digital platforms um, again i've mentioned all the all the challenges that they could have been experiencing at the time so everything wasn't planned i felt that in um, introducing the goal life for this policy critical stakeholders like the bank the agency network people who are also licensed and recognized by cbn and the fintech people who are also licensed and recognized by the by the cbn should have been brought on the table and the framework to how we're going to manage this discourse and maybe put a what is called a, a fail safe a fail safe is where if it doesn't work out how do we roll back so what can we do to quickly augment the system so that, that people don't have that kind of impact so poor planning poor implementation we're suffering from it but there could be some solution maybe we could discuss that as we go on in the show yeah yeah but uh, considering the system errors and the failure of the stakeholders to carry the smes and the msmes along but these people these are the ones that actually drive the economy so even if they, are, they don't have the right education to actually use these systems properly or, or they face errors constantly, maybe at the bank level or the agency bank level, agency banking level, what else can they do? What else should they do to actually ensure that their business continues to thrive like on their own part? What else mm. do you think they can do to actually just make the best of the situation? You're very, very good question. I like that. Um, so for me, as a business person, and as a BD person, and having spoken to hundreds of uh, SMEs in, uh, in in my line of business, one of the things that I would advise is review your payment terms. Everything is about payment, right? So you you know the cash is having an issue, you know the platforms are not. So review your payment terms with the trusted customers that you have. Please note, I said trusted customers. <laughs> can, some, can, can some transactions be delayed? Can some transaction be paid in another certain way? Uh, can you take other form of payment? Um, can you sell on credit for it, giving them time for them to pay back? Um, can you do trade by butter? Uh, what can be traded mm -hmm. for this transaction? So it's not. I mean, those are still legal tenders, but just re-engineering the way that you do your business in such a way that your customer finds it comfortable within the context of the difficulties to buy from you, that would be my first advice. My second advice I'll give to the people is bank transfer and cash is not the only option in the market today. You have USSD, which is very reliable as well, right? You have POS, which is also very reliable as well. Some people would say, oh, well, it was crashing, wasn't working, but it's a, it's a payment option. By the time you try cash, you don't have that. You try transfer, it's failing, and pop out the POS, right? And then try the USSD code. So we are blessed as a digital economy to have multiple payments far more advanced than most African countries, but we're stuck on the loop of cash and card. There are other options now available, and a lot of the fintechs have made it so easy for businesses to integrate and have access to this additional payment option, either as the one paying or as the one collecting the payment. And I think businesses need to expand their scope um, as, as regards that. 
review your payments. Yeah, terms. review your payments. Step. I, I, I like the trade by that, and I heard some people already doing it. You have Maggie in stock, and I have something else in stock. Give me Maggie, what this? I'll give you this, what this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that works. That works. But that's like throwing us back to the Stone Age. Oh well, that's what they want. <laughs> no, it's not throwing us back to Stone Age. It is just what is valuable to you and what is valuable to me. The mm. problem is that you just want cash to hold until you find something that is valuable. Instant, we can trade with anything that we have. Mm. Mm. Okay, so David, uh, this next question is for you. So. In the midst of this entire cash problem, from beginning to end, the federal government has been relatively quiet, right? And these are the people we elected to do things on our behalf, right? I mean, I didn't elect the CBN governor. I didn't elect the Supreme Court or whoever is there. We probably voted for the person in power in presidency and all of that. That's but they've right. been relatively quiet since this entire thing. And also from that... You now see, okay, the Supreme Court came out. Some states took the CBN and all that court. The Supreme Court came out. And for like two, three times, it kept moving its decision days, right? Mm -hmm. And in the middle of those moving, right, of moving those days, it kept saying that the currency is still remaining uh, valid. People should not stop spending it. But CBN was saying, stop spending in fact, I think people did not even pay attention to the Supreme, Supreme Court order Court at all and all of that. Barry said we could spend the old 200 notes. And people now took that serious and all of that. Then the Supreme Court eventually ruled that it should remain legal till 2023. This entire whole process back and forth and all of that between the Supreme Court, federal government and CBN. What is the legality of it? Like, what was the whole point? So um, I, don't, I don't think we can say what's the legality and, um, unless I'm going to be sitting in judgment on the different actions of the actors, um, which I, I, I don't have the authority to, especially because one of the key actors here is the Supreme Court, which is the final court. So the Supreme Court had given a decision and that decision um, is final and it's not, it's not appealable with respect to that matter. But then you could you can you can see um, you can see Nigerians' understanding of democracy at play. You can see uh, uh, like you said something destructive that you didn't elect the CBN governor, you didn't elect the Supreme Court. So automatically, you see why you don't need the other president um, that that was obeyed eventually when he says okay release the 200 naira notes back and everyone immediately started using the 200 naira notes and that's because um there's still a lot of gap in our education of what a democracy is we you still have a lot of gaps in our understanding as citizens the lawyers to some certain extent would say they understand it but do the citizens understand what it means to have a court judgment so when a supreme court gives a judgment what does what's the implication of that judgment it shouldn't be subject to interpretation either by the legislature or by the uh, executive arm of government it should be obeyed in totality except you have a right of appeal and you are exploring that right but we're talking about the supreme court here so there is no grounds and no reason why 
the Supreme Court would be contemplating or seeking for presidential approval or seeking for any form of approval to implement the decision of the Supreme Court. Howbeit, there are certain gaps that are typically explored with, in judgments like this. So when the Supreme Court says implement this, um, let's see, we saw we saw um, videos of bags of Nairnu that has been destroyed. So the question is, what happens? The Supreme Court cannot gum that back. I'm sorry, the CBN cannot gum that back. It's gone. And so there's nothing anyone can do. And so the, 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 the decision has already been taken, and which is why in most times, in most cases, you apply for an injunction when you have a case pending to say, no, take no further action while this case is pending. In some instances too, well, once a case is in court, the 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 parties, which in this case was the Supreme Court, the federal government, and the Supreme Court is the body under the of the federal government, should have actually stayed action till the Supreme Court gives judgment. But like, like I said, um, we all admit that there were various interests um, that were playing around during the um, saga. And it's still playing around, and I, I, I dare to say that they're largely, in my opinion, tied to um, the elections, um, tied to controlling financial flow and everything. So people, they they had to do what they thought they, they needed to do, but some of those actions clearly were flouting court order from the initial court order that um, was granted, and, and that's, that's, that's a big red flag for our democracy. We can't afford to cherry pick judgments that we we obey, um, despite the fact that people have legitimate concerns over judgments, and that's why we have an appellate system. But you can't keep appealing up till the heavens. You it has to stop somewhere, and you count your losses from there. So that's what the CBN should have done, and no and count its losses from there. Okay, and then obey the judgment of the court. The federal government, as you said, kind of made itself look as if it's at the back of the issue, you know, not putting itself out as yeah. the orchestrator. Um, but just like the Supreme Court finally decided, because one of the key issues that was before the court was the issue of jurisdiction. And um, the, the lawyers to so the federal government argued that the Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction because this case borders on CBN and that means the Federal High Court has um, jurisdiction over the case. And the Supreme Court says the CBN is an agency of the federal government and that brings the, um, and that brings the um, case within the ambit of the Supreme Court. So when you have such um, position, it also shows that the federal government was intricately involved in this Naira, um, Naira change and Naira redesign policy, despite playing um, the ostrich a couple of times. And then the box stopped at the president's table to give clear directives to the CBN anytime he received um, the judgment of the court. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Okay, but drawing from the question, because normally I would expect that citizens, we should respect the decision of the Supreme Court. Because I remember the very first ruling that the uh, old note should remain yeah, should the gutter. Nobody cared. <laughs> as soon as I heard the judgment, I tried to spend the old 500 naira notes I had, and the uh, merchant was like, ah, no. I'm like, ah, but they just said this and said no, they were still waiting for something else. 
and the last ruling i think the cbn kept quiet for like three days, yeah, three days until president Bar- one statement no, before that president barry came out to say um i'm not telling cbn or malami to go against the supreme court and then some hours later cbn came out to say that ah okay this is our this is the way we are going yeah, to we are going to was at night that is where we are going to spread <laughs> the old notes back to the deposit money banks and all but as citizens what exactly should we do do you think that we can accuse the cbn for flouting the supreme court ruling like why are you waiting for days before you bring out a policy to actually carry out the judgment what are our rights in this regard like what should we do about this kind of so, flout on our democracy i think i think you, you you've just been very nigerian by accusing looking for how to accuse the cbn rather than looking for how to accuse yourself <laughs> and everyone of us for flouting the Supreme Court's order. So the Supreme Court gave another. If by the time you gave that merchant the note, he collected it, everyone collected it, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Everything would have gone on fine. But for whatever reason, which I can ask you to, why do you have to wait for the president to give the order again or the CBN when the Supreme Court judgment had been given and it's a formal judgment of the Supreme Court? I know, um, expectedly, you expect the Supreme Court to issue a statement, but you obviously don't also expect that statement to go against the Supreme Court. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you, you expecting that just means that you are you have accepted that this country is a detect is in a dictatorship and everything has collapsed. But I think we're still in a functional system to some extent. It's functional, and we are reaping the dividend of having a structure. But Nigerians, which is where I started from, don't understand that structure. Um, Joseph spoke on trust. To those two things so there's one trust because over the years um over the years we know that court judgments have been flouted so there's a legitimate expectation mm-hmm. from nigerians that oh i could collect a hundred thousand naira cash um from someone now and then i go to the bank and the, and the cbn is saying no we're not obeying the supreme court judgment because it has happened before mm-hmm. at all levels so that legitimate distrust is there and but then i think there's also the issue of understanding of how the system works understanding what powers and every citizen should should have this understanding what powers do the legislature have so if the legislature passes passes a law so sometimes you see how let's take for instance the legislature calls the executive and says this cbn policy and they do it a number of times this cbn policy we don't like it we order you to reverse that policy immediately as a nigerian as a citizen you should know that such things you should just laugh about it and also encourage them and say okay we support what they are saying if you don't support it's an, an argument they are making because the legislature doesn't have the power to order the executive or the judiciary what the legislature has the power to do is to make laws so immediately they if they actually want to change that policy or want to stop it or do anything they engage their lawmaking process pass a bill and get that bill pa- um, assented to by the president. If the president refuses to assent to it, then they take it back according according to the provisions of the law and pass it into law and it becomes law. Then, so then the executive has his own functions. So they interpret the law and they make and, and they bring it into effect. The judiciary actually interprets when there's any issue of confusion, just like we had the rights and obligations and so on. And, tell the executive that this is what they have implemented, uh, interpreted, then you implement the law. So if you understand all this, you know the rights of your rights when the legislature speaks. You know your rights when the executive speaks. You know your rights when the um, judiciary speaks. Because ultimately, if something goes wrong, you will not be, you cannot 
sue the CBN or the federal government. Let's say you have a, a contractual right to deliver something to someone within this time, a contractual obligation, sorry, to deliver, let's say, product, and you needed cash to do something. And you're saying, oh, I didn't have the new note. The court will not listen to you because CBN did not, uh, CBN did not release his statement. Because you, you had the old notes at that time to spend and to effect your obligation. You cannot be saying that it's because CBN did not um, give the, uh, the final order because the court, court judgment was in effect and everyone knew about it. So there are nuances to this thing. It's not that straightforward. But all what I'm trying to do here is to put it back on the citizens that we need to do better. We need to understand our laws. We need to understand the legal system, the basic legal system that we operate in. And I think this was a compulsory course in most schools for GST because everything keeps <laughs> seeing how important it is. Yeah. If we know these basics, then we won't be having a lot of issues. Things life will be, will be very easy. And even after the president communicates, communicate sometimes it still takes a long time before it trickles in before some people are convinced and so on so it's really, mm. really an, an um, information and education issue mm. so system error again <laughs> 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 all right um so jeffrey um so in the middle of all this cash issue scarcity and all of that the financial institutions themselves the banks they've been majorly in the middle because they are the B2C, uh, they are the ones that consumers see, right, before we, nobody sees CBN. We just know there's a mafia. Yeah, you want to see. So banks have been in the middle, right, and in recent times, their, their services have been below par. The customer care, even the issuance of the cash and all of that. I mean, I know someone who took the Friday of that decision being made she took three hundred thousand to the bank the next sunday by the time they had said oh okay money can flow out back she went to the bank and bank was not releasing money and i mean this was just one case out of several others that had happened and all of that so what role can the banks and the financial institutions play in helping citizens and businesses navigate the cash crunch because it's still happening Although we hope it gets better over the, over next, the next few, few days, days, but it's still on. So what can banks and you know do better? Well, the bank can only do as much as they're able to do. Um, I'm sure if a bank has money, it would give out. I'm very sure about that. No bank would have money and not want to give to the citizens because it's against their entire ethics as a bank. Um, however, when the cash itself is scarce, because we are being told that some very important people have bought half of it and kept somewhere, <laughs> they are only they are only limited by what they have. You know, nobody wants a bad experience and put their staff in a bad situation where some of them are being attacked and all of that. I mean, we all saw the news, yeah. But they can also try to use this to learn how to automate and be more informative. I don't think I received a lot of text messages from my bank educating me about this cash crunch, what I can do, hmm. what I should be doing. Maybe do a roadster system and say, we've got 16 million customers. On Monday, we'll let 1 million of you come to the bank. We have been scheduled for collection. You know, just automate the system. Be more innovative in the way you see problems. See, in the end, we all just want money. And we want to see that you are approaching the problem and trying to solve it, not complaining and sitting down saying, oh, because we don't have cash, there's nothing we can do about it. Make your infrastructure work better so I can 
use digital payment, invest in better servers and better infrastructure. Now that you know that these kind of things may happen in the future, that's one. Two, consider automation. How can you make the movement of cash far better so that people are not overly dependent on uh, coming to the branch or when transactions fail? I don't have to wait. So I did a transaction yesterday, big amount of money. Now, the guy called me three times now this morning that I have not seen the money. Meanwhile, I've gone to my account. The money has been debited. Now, that is already causing friction between me and someone else already. But the money is left between two banks. So the infrastructure that is connecting all the banks together was developed maybe 25 years ago. We need to look at that again. What is making interbank transfer difficult? Can we have CBN reinvest in that infrastructure and say, I mean, this is our project now and not leave it to somebody else to do so that the experience can be better for the citizens? Um, the, the third thing I also wanted to um, talk about as to how they can do this is to be more empathetic to people's concerns, yeah? So you cannot do something, but the way you speak to people can be a good thing. So how you interact with people, the incentives that you give to them, the ease that you give to them. Uh, please, was there any circulation of any body giving out cold drinks uh, for people lining up on the, at the ATM? Was there anyone? No. no. I, I think Bro. the few times I went to the bank, I doubt the bank manager came down to talk to anyone. Bro. But there, there are news of people that fainted. There you go. So yeah. I'm telling you, if this was outside the country, I don't want to mention any other country, so it doesn't look like I'm being I'm comparing. They would have brought cold lemonade to everybody there. I tell you. They would have given free but, vouchers for lunch. But you know, Joseph, that if you start giving lemonade, you might see a cue that people are not even coming to the bank. <laughs> no, but you, I mean, the, the point is that you would find I, I get it. Yeah, thing. just do something for the people so that they are less anxious. You be, even your security man is talking to them like, I came to collect my 100K. You're talking mm. to me as if I came to beg you for money. What are you talking? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, you don't treat yeah, me like that. Yeah. So that yeah. is further frustrating people at the point. And the same thing with other fintechs as well. When people have transferred money, like I have, so I went to my bank app and I cannot find a way to report that I've got a dispense error. See, this is what we're talking about. Tomorrow, I would be finding it difficult to trust that platform again or use that particular banking app again. This is what I mentioned earlier that the the culture of information needs to be better improved where people can find information easily in the domain of where they want to do transactions Two, that the entire lifetime experience from beginning to the end needs to be considered so that i can feel that if this does not go well these are the alternatives that i have you know these are things that are missing in some of our apps and our customer engagement today and then finally you know that somebody is trying to do a transaction maybe open a portal and say see if it is a critical transaction right and it is something to do with trading and anything else while it is not going to deal with physical cash but any transaction that is pending that needs to go from bank a to bank b or from bank a to bank a this portal or this number has been set aside to deal with trading or financial issues within two parties who have already transacted already I mean, I just be more creative in the way you approach this thing and people will be less anxious or less uh, agitated, which is the problem. I mean, if I, I, I know you can't solve the problem, but I can see that you're making an effort. I'll be less anxious and less agitated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I could step in on that, can I? 
Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I also think that it's I I'm moved to where the, I think the bank um could, could also do better, but I also think it's quite unfair. This process has been very unfair on the banks. The banks didn't have a meeting in December, I think, of changing, redesigning the currency. The banks didn't think of impl 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 implementing the cash withdrawal limits and everything. And from what we hear, they were largely not consulted. And then, but they banks solely have to deal with the consequences. So the CBN is, is I, 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 bet, I, I bet to say that CBN is not dealing with any consequence of this. They just go to the offices, they don't have interactions. <laughs> the first time they had interaction with customers, they saw something and they said, everyone go back to your banks. You see, so you see, they are not even bearing the consequences. And the bank had very short time to respond to, this, to these policies and to the changes, and they're just barely even trying to survive themselves. But where I actually have had issues with what the bank have done within this period is that they have revealed the flaw in our system. You cannot have, let's say, 13 or 14 banks in a system and then you have a regulator that does not even listen to you the banks that does not also consider your position consider your safety consider your business and everything and you and you behave as if your hands are tied you saw what the governors did immediately they saw that everything was being threatened they approached the court if the if the cbn is putting you in a situation that everything is going into jeopardy you should be able to stand up to say no we don't think this should work and at least make a case but then we're having a situation where human beings are becoming that has always been the case with nigeria by the way they're always more powerful than institutions so you have the case that maybe the cbn governor is so powerful the president is so powerful but then it shouldn't be that way the C the banks and the financial institutions should be able to galvanize themselves to have a say on issues, to push. And I beg to say that we as individuals cannot push as much as the banks on this issue. If the 14 banks, or if I don't know the number of banks in Nigeria came together to say, we don't think we are able to support this policy, the implementation. Our infrastructure is down. We don't have the capacity for people to move cashless within one month and make a case for it, sign a, a letter make it available to the public, make it available to CBN, or have a community, I think the CBN would have retraced its steps. But you understand that everyone is afraid of one human being. Maybe this will happen, the presidency will call you, receive call from chief of staff and so on. We shouldn't be the way our policies are, are being implemented. And if we can solve some of these issues in terms of the citizens, and taking us back to citizens' response, maybe I'm saying this because I'm a lawyer, but I'm just saying that if we do more as citizens, because as a bank, it's just a citizen of Nigeria. A bank is also it's an institution, but it's a person in the eyes of the law and a citizen. If a citizen, both as corporate and um, an individual citizens, were able to push for better policies, were able to actually say that this thing is pinching us somewhere. And even when we like this are talking about it, the institutions or people at positions are able to speak up, should actually speak up as they will actually pinching us because sometimes a CBN governor um, on national TV said that he doesn't know Nigerians run petrol generators. And was very shocked to hear that. I think that's a, a Sanusi uh, said they didn't know Nigerians run um, this thing that how can someone say they are using petrol generators? That's not my petrol generator. So because some people can grow up and live all their lives and I've never seen a petrol generator. 
So people need to speak up to say, oh, this thing exists, and to buy petrol for generator, people have to carry care and go to filling station. And um, some people might not understand it. So people need to speak up and take corporate responsibilities, individual citizen responsibilities, more serious. Mm. 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 Thank you for that. Thank you so much, David. So I want to just throw this final question to the two of you. I know that you already talked about what the banks could have done better or what the banks should have done to mitigate these issues that we all faced as citizens. But it feels like a lot of people are actually culpable for it. Like you said, including us, yeah, the citizens, citizen. the government, the CBN itself. And history is bound to repeat itself if we don't learn lessons from this our current mistake. So ahead of next time what are the lessons that we should learn that we can apply in the future especially for us you said that people should speak up i think people spoke up actually like every media house talked about the cash crunch there were articles about pregnant women crying in banking halls i feel like the government cannot say they did not hear these things right i think people actually spoke up but in terms of taking uh, responsibility what else how exactly should we go about it what are the things that we should actually do and with the cbn too in terms so that this kind of mistakes this kind of issue does not happen again if they want to change the currency design mm-hmm. in the future what uh, what other steps should they actually take so so that this kind of issues not come up again yeah <clears throat> okay let me go um i think the first thing that we must all admit that should be done is consultation 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 you cannot you cannot and you should not implement a policy that will impact significantly on over 200 million people even if they are your employees without consulting that's why you see for companies that are maybe retrenching staff they have to call a town hall session get to communicate you cannot by a wave of your finger no matter how good intentions your plans are you have to consult, consult stakeholders, consult the various um, people that groups, people groups that this decision will impact. So it is very necessary. So next time, if government think of any policy, they should consult widely, hold town hall sessions, and let people contribute to the policy that they want to implement. And if you if you are able to do this, you will see that first you get the buy-in of people. And then you get you get to have people suggest workable plans for what you're about to implement. Again, I want to advise Nigerian institutions not to undermine the intelligence, the intelligence, the ability of Nigerians to circumvent the system. I think the CBN did not think through to the end the possible ways Nigerians could circumvent the system, the possible opposition this can have. You're trying to fight something, something that affects very powerful people. You don't just come there wearing a vest. You should come fully prepared. See to the end. The CBN, I'm sure, was shocked to see that the governors could go to the Supreme Court. But if they had just done maybe a strategy session, they would have thought about all those things. You can't just think that people will swallow whatever you put push out without um, any 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 pushback. So you have to think it through to the end and see what are the gaps, what are the challenges. You want to stop, let's say, vote buying, for instance. It's presume that the first 10 million you send to the bank, a big man will collect it. So what did you do ahead of time to stop that from happening? So you have to preempt the hardships. You have to pre- preempt the ways Nigerians who have over time 
we are very smart people you have to give it to us so you have to preempt it that who have over time shown their ability to navigate systems as a lawyer i can tell you that we are not lacking on laws in nigeria what we are lacking on is implementation and the genuine or the ingenuity of nigerians to circumvent systems so after implementing a law or a policy you have to think of how do you mitigate people from cutting through corners and everything so that's my only take all right um jeffrey quickly okay well i would say that um for businesses and individuals get banked when you get banked that means you have other ways to collect money and spend money um, open up your businesses to other forms of collecting of collection so that you are not stuck on cash if this happens again that would be my first advice um, if you have one bank please open two more um and then for the body who has implemented this you need to learn to educate people information was scarce uh distribution of information was also terrible as well now people have a certain if for those who understand nigeria we have a certain way of doing things and we do have systems so there are ways that people in the rural area act there are ways in the in the city that people react so look out for how they interact and and what their distribution channels are and try to build the right kind of information and pass that on to them whether from their channel for remote people who are not even close to any bank or those who are in the city who are going to need that transaction even more uh, uh, than others so that that's where everybody's informed everybody knows what to do there is no panic everybody's planning ahead to know that okay if you're going to need money if you want to do a transaction this is this policy is coming these are the things that you need to know these are the things you need to make adjustments for all of these things would have made all of this on a unavoidable fortunately mm, okay one quick last question yes or no do you think people will trust the financial system again uh me can take that what okay okay please go on okay so i think it doesn't matter if you ask me nigerians have thick skin why do you think we like Bomo? <laughs> <laughs> i think we just I think we just bounce off anything. That's why we're so accommodating of all sorts of things. I will not say rubbish, but all sorts of things. See, in the end, if I have light, I have transport, I can collect my money. I don't care about anything else. Right? Mm. So that's how Nigerians are. That's the spirit that makes us be able to survive anywhere else in the world. You know, that's hard on us. So yes, there might be some mistrust, but if I need to engage the system, because I need to do a transaction, I will, and and I'll take the experience there forward. That's what I see about Nigerians. Oh, okay, hmm. David. So I, I don't think we have an option. You said as if we have an option. So <laughs> what, what options do I have? <laughs> do I do I withdraw my money and start? What, what options do I have? So the financial system must work. So that means we must all put our hands together, put our voices, put everything to make sure the financial system works. And to be fair, we have a very strong financial system um, so far. We've seen the collapse of banks, um, uh, the SVB bank, SVB bank that just collapsed. And in Nigeria, there are times that government have stepped in before it gets even that bad. We saw that with Sky Bank, we saw that with a number of banks. So I think we have built some level of trust in our financial system, which this should not just erode. 
um can it be better yes and we should just work on making it better and all the stakeholders this is me saying please let's just work on making it better oh great great thank you very much guys this has been an interesting wonderful conversation i've learned a lot today i've learned a lot yeah and i'm sure our viewers and our listeners have also learned a lot thank you very much jeffrey thank you very much david uh do you quickly want to share your social media and do so people can follow you and maybe connect with you to ask more questions and all the rest david can go first okay okay (laughs) um at david etido that's my twitter handle um, and I think I just go by David Etido in all my social media handles. And Etido is not a popular name, so it's quite unique. You find me very easily. Eti <laughs> David Etido. All right. All right. All and right. the same applies to me as well. It's Jeffrey Williams Dash So whether on LinkedIn or Twitter, I'm always on LinkedIn or Twitter. I don't do any other one. So on Twitter, it would be Jeffrey W E Ten, which is Jeffrey We Ten on Twitter, and then on LinkedIn is just Jeffrey Williams Edem, and you'll find me there. All right, great. Tomiwo. Seven Omiwo, that's Tomiwo, but seven instead of a T. <laughs> and Damien. All right, mine is Actdown07. All right, thank right. you very much, guys, for joining in, for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for watching. If this is your first time watching, you should subscribe, like, share, and watch the previous past editions. Binge watch. Yeah, just in case you don't know, this is Tech Bytes by TechNext, and you can follow us on our platform, technext.ng. It will come to your ears and your faces next time. Ciao. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much.